Welcome to Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Here is your host, David Ponraj, founder and CEO of Economic Impact Catalyst. Melody and Jeff, welcome to Breaking Down Barriers. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, So, Melody, let's start with you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your background and what got you into entrepreneurship and economic development. Sure. Yeah. So, um, Melody Eccles, I am the Assistant Director of Invest Atlanta's um, American Rescue Plan Programs. Invest Atlanta is the city of Atlanta's economic development agency. So, we're a quasi-governmental organization that carries out economic development and community development efforts on behalf of the city. Um, my background is in mathematics and, <laughs> and also city planning. I, you know, thought I wanted to go to school, uh, to be an engineer and then realized, um, somewhere along my studies that, um, my passion just lied more along the lines of the people in the city, not necessarily, um, the structure of the city. So, um, I got into city planning with an economic development focus and, um, you know, have been working in Atlanta ever since. Um, the programs I manage now are COVID relief programs for small businesses. You know, COVID um, hit small businesses very hard, hit Atlanta businesses very hard, and Invest Atlanta was um, fortunate enough to be able to receive some funding from the federal government. Um, to program on behalf of uh, the city for small businesses. So that's the work that I do now. That's where the work lies, um, supporting small businesses in both uh, grant funding and also technical assistance to, um, you know, provide resources for the businesses to recover from COVID and also to sustain and continue to grow and grow within the city. Thank you and welcome, Uh, Jeff. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. Hello, folks. My name is Jeff Morris. I am with Invest Atlanta. I am the program and projects manager. I lead the ATL and business program and the open for business program. And usually when they have special projects, they'll pull me into those too. But my background is diverse as they come worked in restaurants, owned restaurants, financial services, insurance, investments, also worked for uh, the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center. So my passion in the work that I do on a day-to-day basis comes from personal experience. Because I owned a business, own a business, understand some of the struggles, the strains, and the pains that business owners go through, I can definitely relate to the assistance that we provide to these business owners here in the city of Atlanta. So it brings me a lot of joy to be able to help them because I see what they're going through and I know what they're going through. So to help them avoid some of the pivots and the pains, it's a joyful thing because they could tell that I'm speaking from a place of understanding and that's helpful. Yeah, and you said restaurants, so I would assume that restaurants is, uh, it's an extremely difficult uh, business to start and grow, correct? Restaurants is probably one of the hardest businesses out 
there because you depend on people that are really not traditionally dependable because the staff that works at restaurants truly have a good time in the evening. And sometimes they don't feel like coming to work the next day. And that will impact your business as an owner, because if you, you can't do it all by yourself, the wages are low. So the type of individual that you have to employ is a little different. And it's just, it's just tough because the hours are long, the wages are low and those employees do not feel appreciated. And it's, it's a tough business to make the money because the profits are thin and to sustain it for a long period of time. So those restaurants that you have gone into for decades and decades, they have figured something out. Wow. Well, well, as we go through this podcast, I would love your perspective as a small business owner as well. Uh, Melody, uh, you had mentioned that uh, you started as a city planner. Tell us about what motivated you uh, to actually go into serving uh, the community or community service. And did you ever think about starting out as a business owner or do you have entrepreneurship in your family? I do not have entrepreneurship in my family. And, you know, that is definitely not a path for everyone. And was not for me. Um, I actually grew up in a small town in Louisiana. Um, and as soon as I graduated high school, I was ready to get out of that small town and go to a city. So I came to Atlanta. Um, and it was really just living and growing up, you know, growing up as a young adult in, in a city like Atlanta and really starting to see and experience um, more diversity, more, um, you know, gaps in the economy, gaps in the market. And um, really, it, it sparked an interest in me to understand why things are the way they are, especially in cities. Um, and then, you know, especially in a place that has a lot of resources that I came to, to learn are available and, um, try to understand the gaps between the needs and the resources. So that's just always kind of sparked an interest is the why, um, why things are the way they are and what can be done to kind of address those things. So um, I went to grad school at Georgia Tech, right in the heart of the city, and, um, you know, was able to use the city as, you know, its own little case study, um, which which was great for learning. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's kind of where my journey led me. Uh, I'm just curious, given that Atlanta is uh, a, such a marquee city, uh, and given that you grew up in the heart of the city, especially in your professional career, uh, what is the 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 biggest challenge that a city like Atlanta faces when it comes to uh, starting a business? And would kind of would love for you to kind of dovetail that with some of the COVID relief programs that you've run, but. What is the biggest biggest challenge a city like Atlanta uh, faces when it comes to helping people start businesses? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the city of Atlanta has the largest the largest uh, economic mobility issue, right? So there's just there's generational poverty that's in historically disinvested areas of the city, um, and you know it's just it's tough 
for folks to get out of that, um, especially if you're wanting to start a business, right? Um, so Invest Atlanta's even done a study for um, the city's economic mobility strategy that focuses on those neighborhoods where it's exponentially harder to get out of poverty if you're born into poverty and how to address it, right? And a lot of times it's just, not necessarily a lack of resources, it's a lack of access to those resources or access to knowledge of those resources, um, especially for small business owners. A lot of the small business owners in the, in those communities are your you know legacy residents, mom and pop shops that um, really help create the culture of the city and uh, the vibe of the city. But again, they're just historically disinvested in. So, you know, kind of leading into the, the COVID relief programs that I manage, you know, when, when we had the, um, the opportunity to receive the funds from the federal government, from the city, um, in designing the programs, we designed them with that top of mind, right? How do we, how do we design these programs in a way that they're accessible and for everyone, right? Especially those in those disinvested areas and for us it really started with with outreach um even before the the design right so you know of course we 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 want to make sure all of our programs are well known um and we do you know good marketing efforts on social media and newsletters and electronic blasts and and things like that but a lot of times we need boots on the ground so that that's always a big focus for us we go door to door we hand out postcards, we hand out flyers, we do individual mailers and letters. Um, we really try to reach folks where they are. Um, and in designing the program and in designing, you know, requirements for the program, we try to make as low barrier for entry as we can while staying within, you know, federal requirements, of course. But um, that's always something that's, that's top of mind for us so that we're creating programs and resources that are really being directed and driven towards those who need it most and have historically not had access to those. I love one thing about your program, which is uh, uh, something I'd like, Jeff, for you to kind of expound on, the fact that you work with TA providers and so you're funding small businesses, but then also funding those small businesses to help uh, other small businesses. Uh, Jeff, could you give us an example of a TA provider that works in your American Rescue Plan Act program and, and then how they are able to support other small businesses? So it's like the, the money stays in the economy. You're not trying to like find somebody from outside Atlanta to parachute in to help. You're actually creating an economy within an economy by getting some small businesses to help others. Right. Yeah, last year when we started the program, we put on an RFQ for about a dozen TA providers and we call them business consultants because technical assistance is a, an internal term that people in the business in this industry understand, but business owners outside, they don't know what TA or technical assistance is. So we called our partners business consultants 
and they are businesses that are local to the city of Atlanta. They can help and they specialize in anything from HR, tax, um, marketing, social media, legal, accounting, finance. They help in all these different areas. And we recruited them through our RFP process to provide those services to business owners within the city of Atlanta. And we created a portal with a great partner that we have called EIC, and they help us track the activity that we deal with, with the business owner and the technical assistance provider. So it's a portal platform where the business owners can go to this site and see the kind of services that they need assistance with, schedule a time to have a conversation with a professional in that specific area that they need assistance with, And boom, they have this conversation. And if they mesh, they can start working together. And then once they work together, they are able to accomplish certain goals that the business owner set out to provide. And then the business consultants in turn bill us for the services provided. And we have a really good system. We have some great teammates. We have some great business consultants. The business owners are happy. We take survey scores on a regular basis so we can gauge exactly where we are and the things that we're doing. And to go back to the beginning of when the program started, there were a lot of things that we didn't know as program managers. And we had to pivot and we had to pivot again and we had to pivot again and again. And I think that we started at such a high level with the business consultings, letting them know, okay, we're going to have to make a lot of moves because this is new to both of us. And when we set that expectations, they were able to move when we had to move. And I think that made that easier for not only the business consultants to work with the business owners, but for the business owners to work with the consultants. So it's been a really good um, year, year and a half for us to you know, work these systems. And we've done it so well that When another organization, Wells Fargo, came to us with some money that they wanted us to get out to the city, we just took it from what we were doing with our program at ATL and Business and duplicated it. So we, we had the bumps and the bruises from the first one, and it made the second one a lot easier. And we're also rolling out different programs as well. So it's been it's been a good experience to work with the programs. Can you tell us, could you tell us and give us an example of one of your business consultants uh, success story and a corresponding small business success as well? Like how uh, somebody was able to provide a great uh, TA service and then what was the result of that to the small business owner? A couple of weeks ago, well, actually last week, we had a success story from one of our consultants who helped the lady she had a dance studio business and she was she was doing well but she needed help with marketing and social media and those type of um, aspects that wasn't her strong suit and she was apprehensive on allowing the business consultant to come into her business to help her because her thing was what 
do I have to pay for it? What do I have to do to get these no-cost services? And we don't use the word free because free, people don't, they don't appreciate free. They appreciate yeah. no cost, okay? Yeah. So she wanted to know what she had to do to receive these no-cost solutions to help her grow her business. And the business consultant went th- went in there, assessed her situation, helped her, understood her situ- her um, her program and her business and her business model, and was able to build marketing programs to get her business out. And she did a video for the business consultant, and she said nothing but good things. She admitted how she wasn't trusting at first, but once she did trust, she was extremely surprised at what she received back from the from the services that the business consultant was able to provide so that was that was just one of many because every every two weeks we try to have success stories shared on our platform not only to learn about what is happening within the business consultant and the business owners but to show other consultants what other consultants are doing and that's also encouraging because it's like, hey, they're doing really good work. And if I know someone that needs that service, I'm going to refer them to them because they're proven. They're a proven commodity. That that's amazing. So uh, I'm going to have Melody share kind of the first year success metrics, whatever you have at your fingertips, Melody. But uh, while you're while you're kind of gathering the the facts, I'll say that the reason. I wanted both of you on this podcast uh, today is because what you're all doing is truly breaking down barriers. And I want to share three barriers that we see from our vantage point uh, working across the country. The first one, Melody, you had mentioned, people don't know where to go to find a service. Uh, the, the biggest barrier when we ask small businesses to starting a business is they don't know what is out there. They truly don't know the services. In fact, that was the main reason I started this company. My first company crashed and burned simply from the fact that I didn't know all these support services in the ecosystem. And when I look back, if I had known what was there for me, there's a very high likelihood I could have made it through. I was like very close to breaking even, and I just needed that little bit of support. And as small business owners, we just need that little bit of support to get us past the finish line, right? So that first barrier you're all breaking is getting access to information. The second one is you're building the trusted network. Those consultants, they are a trusted network. When people come to them, they know that they're not going to be scammed. They don't have to do due diligence. They don't have to bargain. They don't have to negotiate a price, right? They know that you've built a trusted network which is not just knowing, but knowing and trusting, which is a lot more than just Googling for, hey, can I find a chartered an accountant or can I find a lawyer? It's a, a curated service. And then the third one is that no cost element to it. A lot of businesses, especially in Atlanta, like you talked about, right? Like they don't have that economic mobility and this no cost service gives them that that friends and family round, if you will, right? They don't come from the friends and family round. They don't have that savings account. They don't have the equity in their business. And so we look at your work and you've got so many facets. And in other parts of the country, we see small facets of this. They might have a directory that's curated. 
or they might have a trusted network. But being able to stitch that entire journey together where you can find the person, you know they're trusted, and you have that no-cost service, that truly is that game changer for you. So Melody, could you kind of talk to us about some metrics from the first year of, of doing this? Sure, yeah. So the first year was great. Um, as Jeff mentioned, we had a dozen uh, business consultants uh, partnered with us providing a wide range of services. We were able to serve uh, over 200 businesses, close to 3,000 hours of consulting, over 2,000 sessions between business owners and consultants. So it's, you know, it's been incredible to see, and those are unique businesses. Um, it, it's just, it's creating such a, a great impact. And, you know, we're, we're trying to continue to, to spread the word that these resources are available and um, you know we're doing direct outreach and, and things like that to hopefully continue to see those numbers grow but for the first year doing something like this you know on a platform that we've hadn't used previously it, it's been it's been very successful uh, that th those are fantastic numbers in fact those are the kind of numbers we need to hear to be able to show that entrepreneurship can actually drive economic development Mm -hmm. Traditionally, economic development has been bringing that next Amazon HQ2 uh, to your city or trying to bring that the, the jobs from the next city over. But when you share these kinds of numbers, those are new jobs being created. Mm -hmm. Those are new businesses being created. That's money that stays in the community versus trying to transplant uh, a company from outside. Uh, how does uh, Invest Atlanta look at entrepreneurship and, and that focus uh, around economic development. Yeah, that, that's it's so interesting you say that. It's something that I've noticed in the past several years being at Invest Atlanta is just that shift in focus, right? I mean, of course, we still have our, you know, traditional economic development attracting the big Fortune 500 companies. And, um, you know, those are good for the city too, right? But we also recognize that we have a lot of young local talent, especially with all of the universities right here in the heart of Atlanta. Um, we want to focus on, you know, growing the talent within the city. Once that talent comes out of the universities or, you know, sparks here in Atlanta, we want them to want to stay here. And in order to do that, we have to support them and have resources that help them grow. Um, because to your point, I mean, a successful entrepreneurial community is vital to the success of a local economy. You know, it's creating jobs, it's creating technologies, it's creating efficiencies. Um, so it, it's been interesting to see that that sort of shift in focus, but it's definitely one that Invest Atlanta has. So I'm going to shift focus uh, to the future and, and I'm going to split this into like a part A and part B. So Melody, I'm going to ask you about uh, what are the traditional challenges that are still to be conquered in Atlanta and what type of programs are you all thinking about? Uh, and then Jeff, you had mentioned the special projects that uh, that is building upon the success, right? Like you do something well, your reward is <laughs> more work that, that you want to take on, right? And it's a validation uh, of doing something well. So Melody, I'll start by asking what other barriers are you focused on uh, coming out of COVID, right? So we made it through COVID, we've got uh, new challenges. What are programs that you're all thinking about 
as you think and look to the future uh, and what barriers uh, are you working on breaking? Sure, yeah. So, you know, funding and capacity is always a barrier. It's always a challenge for our small, super small businesses um, in our, you know, early stage businesses. So we are looking to continue our technical assistance programming um, to even outside of ATL and business to help provide some assistance in, in business owners who are looking for funding or are looking to apply for certain opportunities. A lot of times, you know, even so they found the resource, they found what they what they want to apply to, whether it's funding or a program, but then it's a capacity issue. You know, they're working as business owner, COO, CFO, accountant, marketing manager. They're doing all of these things, wearing all these hats. Um, and so it's a capacity issue when they're having to drop all of that to take advantage of a resource. So that's that's one that's one gap that we've identified that we could, you know, sort of help fill in providing some assistance and building out applications, um, making sure that, you know, your your finances are are in order if you're going after a loan, if you're actually providing all of the right information. A lot of times they have it, they just it's just a matter of assembling it and putting it all together. So Technical assistance is big for us. Um, we also see, you know, sustainability um, and, you know, energy efficiency in the commercial space, a priority coming down the pike too. I mean, just talking about um, cost savings for businesses, that's something that we're, we're looking into at Invest Atlanta to help fill that gap. Um, we're, we're always just kind of analyzing the ecosystem as a whole and, um, you know, trying to support where we can, whether it's through funding, whether it's through technical assistance or, or just support um, to, again, make sure that businesses feel supported and want to stay here and continue to grow the economy here. That's fascinating. I'm going to uh, ask Jeff and then I'm going to come back uh, to you, Melody, and, and ask you uh, if you had to start this journey all over again, uh, what's the one thing you would tell your uh, uh, your college graduate self. So when you graduated, you know, what would you go and tell yourself that you would do differently? I'm asking because uh, we have a lot of practitioners are listening to this. You can't go to school for economic development, right? You can go for like learning the the tactical pieces, but really a lot of the strategy you got to learn on the job. Like how do you manage the various stakeholders? This is a very complex ecosystem you work in. Uh, and I think that advice could help a lot of our listeners. Uh, so Jeff, I would love to hear about your special projects. And then also, what did you learn in your restaurant industry experience that you bring to your current work? Uh, because I'm sure there's lots of lessons learned there. Yeah, there are a lot. But the programs that I'm working with now, like we talked about the ATL in business, which is the platform where business owners can come and meet with uh, technical assistant providers. Uh, the Open for Business program, which can be accessed from our website, either atlinbusiness.com or open or investatlanta.com. And then the two projects that we are, one wrapping up and one just launching is the, uh, the Tyler Perry tax payment program is where Tyler Perry, a lot of people know Tyler Perry is an actor, philanthropist, all of the above. 
and he decided to pay off the taxes for our seniors within the city of Atlanta. So we had to develop a plan to get the under get the information from the tax assessor's office. That was a challenge in itself, getting that information and making sure that these people were actually at the homes that we had on address. We had people on our team actually physically going to the addresses to make sure these people were here. And that was a little time consuming because the the records were a little outdated. So that was that was a challenge, but we got it done and the mayor delivered the checks. It was a lot of good press and another check in Invested Atlanta's hat. Another program that we are launching is called the Business Association Grant Program, where the city provided us with funds to help our business associations within the city to launch small programs within their association. So anything that they would do to help the business owners in their surrounding areas, it could be technical assistance, it could be webinars, seminars, just helping them with all the resources they need on a micro level in the communities that these business associations serve. And they were recommended by the um, the city council members, right? So city council members recommended these associations and we're dealing with the association now, gathering their documents, everything they need to be official. So we're in compliant compliance. And then from there, we get them the funds and they can start initiating those programs. We have a checklist that they're going to check in with us every six months. Uh, goals that they need to meet, and we're going to be able to track them and their activities. So those are the programs that we're we're working on closely right now. With regards to my restaurant experience, you learn to do everything when you own and operate a restaurant. Now, there's a difference between owning a restaurant and being an owner-operator, because when you're operating, you're in it every day. You're seeing what's going out the front door. You're seeing what's coming in the back door. You're seeing how the employees engage with the customers. You learn to fix freezers and coolers and toilets. You learn to balance your books, how to do marketing, payroll. It's nothing that you do not learn while you're running a restaurant because it's a full service operation. And the restaurant I own, we opened at four o'clock in the afternoon and closed at 2 a.m. So we were really jamming from 11 p.m. to 2 p.m. because that's when all the other restaurants in the city closed. So when they're closing down, we're ramping up. So it was long days, long nights, but it was rewarding. And it's really a young person's job to work in a restaurant because you need that energy to keep going because it is, it's, it's tough. But I think the biggest challenge, two biggest challenges is, no, three. Labor, finding quality people. Labor costs, controlling your labor costs. And food costs. If you can somehow master those three, you can have a successful business, successful restaurant business. Because you need the people to do the work, but you need to manage them so they're not wasting time 
I used to have a saying, if you have time to clean, if you have time to lean, you got time to clean. So there's no downtime in a restaurant, no leaning around, figuring out what you're going to do, playing on your phone. No, you got time to lean, you got time to clean. Okay. And food costs, when you prep that food, make sure you're doing it to the specifics because you throw away a ketchup here, you throw a slice of tomato over here, something hits the ground, you can't use it. That stuff adds up and that's coming out of your bottom line. So you have to be a, you got to, you got to be disciplined in how you run your operation because that's the only way you're really going to be successful. So I see Melody smiling. At my Give head. me one lesson. <laughs> Give me one lesson you were able to bring from that restaurant business to your current job. I think the most important lesson is to be flexible and to be able to make changes and pivot when you have to, because you never know what's going to happen. We had an example one day, the, the um, exhaust fan went out when we were busy, very, very busy at the restaurant and you can't stop what you're doing. So you have to think on your feet. We opened up both doors, we put on the AC and we, we just kept jamming until the end of the shift. But I think having that mindset to be able to think on your feet in this job is important because we get thrown things quickly and we have to assess it quickly and then get it out the door quickly. So I think understanding what to do when things come at you in a fast tempo is important. Well said. I feel like you bring that same efficiency to your current work, which is like, you got to get stuff done. If you're leaning, you should be cleaning. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> that, that you bring that to this, to your current job. No, well said. So uh, Melody, tell us about like, what would you do differently if you, you know, uh, or, you know, other words, what's that big lesson learned through your career that you would go back and redo? Yeah, I don't know if I would do anything differently per se, but Jeff kind of segued it perfectly. It, I, I wish I maybe would have known or anticipated the amount of time you have to just pivot in this work. Like, in I think COVID is a great example of that. You know, we're rocking and rolling one day, and we're doing business as usual, and I can't even remember some of the projects or things I was working on prior to COVID because when COVID hit, everything changed, you know, your whole mindset changed, your way of working changed, um, the needs of the people that you serve changed, um, and you just have to anticipate that. So you do kind of have to work quickly if you, if you want to get things done that are going to matter in that time because, you know, what matters right now or what's an issue right now, there may be something else a year down the road. And if if you can't address those gaps or those issues effectively or efficiently, then, you know, it's just going to, going to snowball. Um, so being able to, to stay calm in a storm and stay calm and, and uh, yet effective um, is, is something that is definitely, it's, it's needed in this work. You know, it, it's needed because, like I said, the landscape is just constantly changing um, and the, the needs are changing constantly. You're, you're all talking like you're small business owners because as a small <laughs> business owner, 
the only thing that's constant is change, right? Like, you know, the your entire journey. Go ahead, Jeff. You know, Melody just said something key. I think another thing we need to add to that mix is hiring for a cultural fit because when you have to pivot so quickly and so often, having teammates that go with that flow is very helpful as well. Because if you don't have that fluidity in your team, it's going to be hard. Because if you have somebody that they just give pushback when it's time to make a change, that's going to, that's going to stagnate the flow of the work that you guys are used to doing. You know, I think we have a really good team. We just hired one more teammate. We're looking for another one, but we, we have a good team because we all kind of mesh, even though we're individuals, we respect each other's style and we give each other space. And I think that that helps us achieve our goals efficiently because of our teammates. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, you know, we all are sort of mission driven in that we are here to serve the businesses, to serve our, our constituents. And, you know, it's easy to, to stay wrapped up in the numbers. The numbers are great. The numbers help tell the story, but it, it's rewarding for us to be able to really have a one-on-one connection with a lot of the business owners that we serve um, because it just, it, it increases your, your why for why you do this work, which just also produces more results, um, which speaks to the numbers. So it, it is great when you have a team who's like-minded and, and working for the right reasons. Yeah. And here at EIC, I'm realizing one of the reasons why we love working so much with you all is you all, even though you're not a small business, you think very much as an entrepreneur. Right. A lot of the values you're talking about, the ability to be able to pivot, the ability to accept change, the ability to be able to uh, move fast. All of these are entrepreneurial qualities that as a small business owner, if you don't do any of these things, you won't survive. And for an organization like Invest Atlanta, given how big you are to think like an entrepreneur, I think better serves Atlanta better serves your small businesses because you're coming with the same mindset they've got. You're moving as fast as your small business owners, right? You're not stuck behind paperwork and bureaucracy and getting people to sign 15 documents, right? Like you're like, okay, we'll meet you where you're at and we will move as fast as you will. Uh, and I think that's really refreshing because uh, it it is one thing to give somebody the medicine. It's another thing to take your own medicine right? And be able to say, we will live and walk that same uh, journey. Uh, so, you know, we're really proud of our work with uh, Invest Atlanta. We're really proud of our work with you all. Uh, thank you for everything you do. And, and thank you for sharing your insights on the podcast today. Well, we so enjoy working with you guys. Um, this has been a great year thus far. And um, yeah, we're, we're just looking forward to continuing to generate impact together. Um, and thank you for having us today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we appreciate the work that you do, your teammates, and how you help us achieve our goals. And when you work with a provider, it's important to feel important, and you guys make us feel important. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for the kind words.
-hmm. Thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Special thanks to our renowned guests for joining us. You can find show notes, more episodes, send us ideas, and subscribe to our newsletter on our website, economicimpactcatalyst.com. Breaking Down Barriers is a presentation of Economic Impact Catalyst and is edited by Lauren Bernard. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Breaking Down Barriers, available for free wherever you listen to your podcasts.